What got you there with got you got you What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney Today on What Got You There Sean talks with Corey Gregory Corey is a serial fitness entrepreneur leader in the nutrition industry and a top training expert As a way to save money for college, Corey worked as an underground coal miner until he opened his first gym at the age of 20. Quickly, Corey earned the reputation as an industry expert in both personal training and nutrition and now owns the famous old school gym outside of Columbus, Ohio. Corey co-founded one of the fastest growing sports nutrition brands ever created, Muscle Farm, which sold over half a billion dollars worth of product in the first seven years that he was with the company. Most recently, Corey has developed an online programming and nutrition site at CoreyGFitness.com, a consulting company with Activate Media, and the newly launched MaxEffortMuscle.com. In this episode, they talk about the uphill battle any entrepreneur has and how you can overcome humble beginnings and still build an empire. Corey discusses what it's like working with Arnold Schwarzenegger and how he landed a partnership with him during their first meeting. This episode gives you insights into the mind of one of the leaders in the nutrition industry. Today, what got you there is being fueled by Soniva Super Coffee. Soniva provides an organic bottled coffee blended with lactose-free protein and MCTs from coconut oil for all-day energy. Grab a bottle at your local Whole Foods market or use discount code WGYT at drinksupercoffee.com for 20% off your order. Are you looking to finish the latest thriller, such as The Girl on the Train, while you're at the gym or in the car? Well, now you can. For listeners of What Got You There podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check this out. Head over to www.audibletrial.com forward slash what got you there to choose from over 180,000 titles to select the book you want to hear next. Corey, thanks for joining us on What Got You There. How are you making out today? I'm doing great, man. It's uh, got a lot done already today on this great Friday, and I'm excited to be on the show. So thanks for reaching out and having me on. Look forward to it. Yeah, no, you are one of the most productive people I've come across. I first discovered you, I think it was about six years ago, and it really changed up my morning routine, everything I was doing, how to start my day. So how do you start each day? Yeah, so, you know, it's been a really good topic recently because people were always so, like, kind of, like, weirded out by how efficient, I guess, um, I attempt to be daily and how early I get up. And so I get tons of questions on it because people can't really grasp um, – dude, you, you set your alarm for three o'clock in the morning. Like, wait a second. And they're like, why? And obviously I've gotten crazier, um, over the years from a necessity standpoint. And and this is what happened. The reason why I started training early and coming up with daily strategies early was I'm, uh, by nature, a little bit of a loner actually, which, uh, might surprise people. My father was kind of like that. And I fight it a little bit, even though I'm very out, I have a very outgoing personality. I love to be around people, but I need, and I think everybody needs their own time to process things, work on themselves. And I just think people don't really set it aside. They don't really have a daily strategy. And I created a daily strategy for myself years ago where, you know, we, we used to work out at five in the morning and I would do, um, uh, development on the way there, meaning listening to podcasts like this or, you know, audiobooks or whatever. And then I, I would do more personal development on the way home. And, you know, it basically out of necessity, I started getting up earlier and earlier so I could continue to do this. 
I'm building seven figure businesses. I'm a dad of three and I compete still in multiple things. So if I need, you know, I need to have a couple hours for me to be a competitive athlete, even, you know, I'm going to be 39 this year, but I'm still shooting covers of magazines. I'm still competing in powerlifting. I'm still competing in natural bodybuilding. And so I need that time. My phone can't be ringing. Um, and so now what I've got set up is very, very efficient. Um, what I believe, I believe is disciplined, you know, kind of morning routine where alarm hits at three, I'm up, check a few things, you know, my business is worldwide, you know, obviously with, uh, CoreyGFitness.com, I have a membership site and then the new supplement brand, Max Effort Muscle and just with, you know, Instagram and all that craziness. And so I check some things real quick and then I'm off to the gym. Um, and at this point, like I'll. I've written books. I run. I write tons of articles, but I'm not really that good of a writer per se. So it's much better for me to record articles and then have somebody write it. So they write it just like I talk. Like I don't write like I talk. So it's like, and I don't mind keeping slang in. I don't mind it being a little different. Like I'm cool with that. So I just am not a very good writer. So what what I write down and what I say, it seems like it comes out completely different. So on the way to the gym, man. Uh, now I actually create most of my content. I have about a half hour drive to the gym. I'll do two or three articles sometimes in a day recording my thoughts on certain things um, to my my chief editor of my website. Um, and then if there's any time left over, which usually adds about 15 minutes, I have another 15 minutes, I'll start listening to Napoleon Hill or Lewis Howes or you know, whatever, whatever I'm on to at that point in time. Then when I train, I'm like, I do create content at the gym for two hours. Like I have a video guy named Jake Sanders. I got a photographer named Kyle Smith that are also in my kind of infamous 4 a.m. group of savages we got there that we start at four every day. But they're capturing pictures. They're capturing video as they're training too. And then uh, basically training for two hours on some specific goal of what I'm getting ready for at the time, capturing some content. Boom, as soon as I'm out, out of the gym, let's call it 6.30-ish. You know, depending on if I've got any gym specific business, because I own, you know, I'm part owner of that gym also, which is called Old School Gym. It's one of the most hardcore gyms in the country. It was ranked in the top 10. As I'm leaving the gym, straight personal development for another half hour on the way home. Um, sometimes I'll catch up with my mom, uh, who's my customer service person at CoreyGFitness.com, which is amazing. Catch up with her, make sure everything's good with the site. And I get home like, you know, a little after seven. And basically my first conference call for max effort muscle starts at eight o'clock with my business partner, John Fosco. So from seven to eight, I'll make sure if anything's good at the house, kids are up, whatever. And then, um, you know, if there's anything I need to attend to and then boom at eight o'clock, I start my first conference call for, for that business. And from that point, it's real freestyle. Like after nine, 10 o'clock, it just depends on what's needed, whether it's more content that needs to be created, whether it's another podcast for our podcast, Business and Biceps, whether it's I'm creating a new SKU packaging. I mean, it could be literally a wide range of things, but that 3 a.m. to 8, that five-hour period is all about developing, creating. And I kind of came up with this thing if daily I can write, read, and record something that I, that I believe that will um, – or listen. Like just basically I, I'm, I'm putting out content – and I'm receiving content um, in that block of time consistently that, you know, I believe most of my goals um, that I set for myself will come true. Wow. I mean, absolutely jam-packed morning. I love some of the things you went in and also looping mom in there as the customer service rep. Absolutely yeah, love cool, that. right? Yeah. yeah. She's amazing. No, that's <laughs> great. But uh, you, you mentioned earlier about kind of being a loner in your own head. 
So yep. how are you at that gym? Because it kind of seems like you use that as your mental meditation time, but you're surrounded by a bunch of other people you call savages in the gym, in that yeah. old school gym. Uh, I mean, are you really just staying in your own thoughts there? Or are you communicating with everyone else in the gym? Yeah. So we, you know, the, the environment's so positive and it's, it rem- the best way to explain it is most people in high school, whatever sport you play, there's a time where all your homies are yelling for your bench press or your squat or it's max out day on football. Like most people have experienced that camaraderie like that. And then you just lose it after high school, you just lose it. Right. Well, that's what we have every day. We've got weight classes ranging from, you know, 148 up to 220. We have one guy that's 275, but most everybody's in that range. So a lot of guys walk around between 165 and 200 pounds. Um, we've got, you know, a couple 600 pound squatters, a whole host of 500 pound squatters, all guys drug free, a- age range from 17 years old to 47. It's extremely competitive. And so although I'm a loner, once again, I'm, I'm like, I'm a loner from the standpoint that I think as an entrepreneur, you can, you know, if we talk in business, like I've had some great partners. I have a really good partner at the gym, Dustin Myers, who's my high school friend and a really good partner, Max Effort, um, John Vosco, managing partner. But, um, you know, I'm used to just betting on me. And so I think over time, if that's your natural, but I don't like training by myself. So I've never been a guy who's just like put my headphones on and train like, no, I, I like to have I like to be challenged. So, you know, I'm one of the older guys in my group. I've got a lot of kids between 20 and 25 years old that love to beat me. I mean, just straight talk. They don't care what I've done or who, you know, they're there to beat me because we're in a group and we're pushing each other. And uh it works. And so if I'm feeling down that day and I roll in, this dude don't give two shits. Like he's gonna try to, you know, he's winning. And so I don't want them to win. So it becomes a competitive thing because we do a lot of max effort work. We do, you know, because we're like a version of like, I have my my squat everyday stuff that's conjugate. So it's got a West side feel plus golden era bodybuilding. Like my get stack program, which is really popular online. It's, it's a mix of everything. So you can compete daily um, for, for maxes. And then, you know, so we're competing heavy lifts like all week long. And, um, it's pretty, it's pretty fun, man. So I, I love the camaraderie. Like I always tell people, Sean, that right now, the reason why I'm capturing all this stuff, video pictures, and it is because of the time we live in, don't get me wrong, but it's also because I don't want to forget it. Cause I believe that this is my golden era right now. Like, it's hard to believe that at this point in my career, like I've, I've basically am starting to hit a peak of physique of strength i'm competing in both multiple times a year i've just shot my 12th cover of mag you know my 12th cover mag like i just did stuff with men's health but i competed in powerlifting the same month it's this is my golden era and learning from people that i've operated around like i'm capturing it and and i'm having a blast and it's because of the other guys at the gym i always show them guys love because i'm the leader there's no there's no question but i'm not the strongest guy in the room i'm not the leanest guy in the room but i'm pushing and i expect a lot out of myself and by default and i'm a hype man i'm like murphy lee from <laughs> nelly or or you know dude from dmx or whatever like i'm the hype man and people hear it in the videos because it's true it, i'm a real i'm a real fucking gym guy and i think that a lot of people can get caught up in this dude is on magazines or he did muscle farm like don't ever get it fucking twisted. Like I want to be known for, to be a real lifter. 
I'm, I've been I've been elite in two weight classes in powerlifting. I've squatted 700 pounds in a suit before in a meet, you know, around West Side dudes. Like I've learned from the best. Like I'm a real fucking weightlifter. So that that's that's just straight up. And that's what I want to be known for. I mean, I think I'll be known for a lot of other things, but programming is a passion and I think a gift to somebody gave that to me like creatively. I really enjoy it. It helps people change and I've affected people around the world because of it. And, and I love it every day. I love the authenticity you're bringing out right now. You can see down to your it's core true. what you are all about. And that's what I absolutely love. I mean, you mentioned capturing kind of your golden era. And I honestly, I've been so impressed watching the past year, past few months, even what Thanks. you've been able to accomplish when now you're mentioned closer to 40. And I'm, I was even wondering like, hey, how does he how does he keep up with this? How does he do this? So for my listeners who are unfamiliar, yeah, who's Corey Gregory? How'd you start? How'd you end up where you are today? Yeah, so Corey Gregory is... It's so funny. Like I label myself. <laughs> there's a lot of people ask me what I do, especially now because you know the freedom of my schedule and I'm at all my kids' things and I'm you know rolling around during the day whenever I I can do whatever I want because I've been in business for 20 years for myself. But I label myself as a fitness entrepreneur because really everything that I've done has been fitness related. So you know I started out as a kid who just liked to lift weights, who didn't like school. You know, at 17, like no one lifted weights and got paid. No one really made a living of it where I'm from in a small town in Ohio. I worked as an underground coal miner for six months, uh, 600 feet underground to save save money to start my first gym and kind of go to school in Columbus, Ohio for about a year. And can you kind of hit on the on the on the minor side of things? I mean, I think <laughs> that's got to be one of the toughest jobs you can possibly do at oh, that time. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, so the mining thing is so unique, right? I'm so glad, Sean, that I got to experience it because I'm a fourth generation coal miner. Like it stops with me. That was part of it. Like I wanted to experience it for, you know, my great grandfather died in a coal mine. My grandfather coal mine, my father coal mine, my stepdad coals mine, my uncle's coal mine. Like, dude, everybody coals coal mines where I'm from. And a lot of my friends never got to experience it because their parents didn't want them to. My parents didn't want me to either. But I wanted to. And that was the best means to an end to save money. I mean, I saved 20 grand, you know, in five, six months because I could make so much money working underground and they never said no to overtime. I mean, Sean, literally, I had like five paychecks. I hadn't even had time to go to the bank when I quit, like when I was going to move to Columbus. I mean, I was clearing like 15, 1600 bucks a week because I was working 90 hours a week, not every two weeks, a week. So, I mean, you didn't even have time to spend it on anything, right? It's like, you're waking up, you're working, that's it. And then you're saving that money because you understand your goals, correct? Yeah, exactly. Working and training. And I mean, I'd be shoveling coal 40 inches at top, meaning with the ceilings 40 inches high, 15 hours. I mean, dude, come on. Like That's the thing is, I wanted to experience what it was like to do that. My, my family did it for literally 20 and 30 years. I only did it for a short period of time, but I understand it. And I was like, if I just can apply this work ethic and this drive to what my true passion is, which is fitness and helping people, then then it's a wrap because nothing's gonna like nothing's gonna suck as bad as this does. I mean, coal miners always show me love because I've championed like how proud I am of it because I am like I, I'm t- always tell my parents like. Anytime I tell our story, even the struggles, like never feel bad about it because I wouldn't be me if I didn't go through those things. Adversity mm. can create some amazing things if you if you utilize it properly. And to me, that was like just an opportunity. I didn't look at it as like a shitty job. I looked at it as like I have an opportunity because my family cannot afford for me 
to move to Columbus, pay my rent, pay my school. Like, no, nah, you got to make your own way. I just needed the opportunity. And when I had it, I said, where do I sign up? I mean, that's it. And, and I was very focused on I lift and I work. And I didn't have a girl. I didn't care about anything else. Like I just lifted and worked. And I thought to myself, if I can get out of this coal mine, which I was planning on, and I got this story in the city, I'm personal training people. You know, at that time, I, I just wanted to open a personal training studio and, and be a trainer. Like, I was like, no one's going to have this story. And then, you know, my whole thought was, I want to own a gym. I want to be on a cover of magazines. I used to tell everybody that. And, you know, a lot of people chuckled at it. And I just, what I was, I was determined to do. The funny thing is, though, when I came into the business, like, a lot of dudes were so much bigger than me. Like, it's cool to be 180 and rip now, but in 2000, it wasn't. Everybody's like 220, drugged out, you know? So I'm coming into an industry like on the smaller side, um, you know, not in the norm. It, it just, I had a lot of challenges early, man, but I was just so focused. Like you couldn't tell me nothing and you still can't. Like I, I put my mind on it and I just go and execute. It's just me. No, I love that. And then, I mean, I also want to get into, obviously you are so accomplished on on the magazine covers, the training. I want to hit more on that, but I also want to know more about the business side. I mean, sure. you're, you're part of Muscle Farm. What do you guys end up growing that to? 300 million plus in sales, something like that. I mean, how do you even develop <laughs> into a businessman like that? Yeah. So Muscle Farm is an interesting story, right? Because I like supplements and I got, you know, as a trainer. So a lot of people don't realize that I built a training business for a decade before the opportunity of muscle farm even came my way before I met my former partner and started really getting into, you know, learning about formulation and, and how to raise capital and all that kind of stuff. And I just looked up to Bill Phillips from EAS. I wanted to be, I wanted to be like Arnold. Here, here's my whole thing. I wanted to be like Arnold, like overall, cause he's just the goat. I wanted to look like Frank Zane and I wanted to do business like Bill Phillips. Hmm. And that, that was like my three guys. I, and I want to be strong like Franco Colombo. Like those are the four people I paid attention to. And so that's why my, my griminess is, is, so if you look at, at me as a whole from a training standpoint, and then I learned about Westside Barbell and that changed a lot for me from a powerlifting standpoint. But like, if you look at me from a standpoint of who I learned from and who I looked to, that just molded my physique, the way I train, uh, my mentality, um, and then meeting all those people and working with them, like actually in person, even changed another because then I could even get more insight. Um, and then, uh, you know, Bill Phillips, his content, he was so far ahead of it. The, the, the 12-week transformation, muscle media, the way that he wrote about his products. Like I also took that into in, into play. That content creation is what helps educate, but then also sell products, both. And, and, and I don't feel bad for selling products. I'm educating, I'm helping, I'm teaching application and and so I just learned and looked to, I think, the really the, the right people. So when I got a chance to help and, and be involved and found Muscle Farm, um, it was an amazing opportunity. And for about seven or eight years, man, it was just a blur. I think we sold about a you know half a billion dollars in products while, while I was at Muscle Farm. And I left about two years ago, be two years in November, we were publicly traded, got very big. Uh, once again, if you've heard anything I've said to this point, not really my style. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I can do it. Listen, I can sit at the boardroom in Wall Street. I can sit at the boardroom with the CEOs of GNC and I, I've done all that stuff. I'm, I'm actually, I believe I'm pretty good at it. Uh, um, I'm very proud of the business that I've accomplished, but also I, I'm more customer and related. Like I want 
to be in the, I, I actually like to be in the weeds. I like interacting. I enjoy the programming. I enjoy impacting, um, speaking in public, doing the things that probably most I would call supplement executives probably do not like to do. And I, and I believe that's what makes me completely different than basically everybody else. There's no one like me really. Mm. Cause I've, I've been Sean on every side of this business. Like literally I was the guy who worked as a trainer at a gym. I was the guy who opened his own gym, um, by 20 years old. I had trainers that worked for me. I used to buy from Europa, which is the supplement distributor. I, sold to Europa at like 30 million a year, you know, five years, seven years later, like created a supplement brand that was retail, Costco, Walmart, GNC, vitamin shop. Now I have a supplement brand that sells direct to customer. That's totally organic. Like I've been, I signed deal with Reebok as an athlete. I've signed athletes that are of the biggest names in the industry. Um, I've really done pretty much everything, you know, formulation and, and, and marketing and big deals with the organizations. And I really can speak on, um, probably more than anybody can just because of my experience level over the last, you know, 20 years. I mean, I've been in the game 20 years, dude, 10 years building a local, um, business and 10 years building a, you know, very public, um, international business. And so I'm, I'm very proud of that, man. And, and I don't say it from arrogance. It's, it's just the truth. I, I've really just done a little bit of everything. And I've pushed myself as an athlete at the exact same time. And that was my whole plan was like, if I'm on the cover of the main magazines, when my business is at its height or growing, like, I, I just don't know who else has ever really done that. So talk to me about mentors. Uh, you mentioned Arnold the goat. What was it like when you guys went into the business meetings with him? Oh yeah. He's next level, man. Like no ceilings on possibilities, only expects the best, only expects you to bring the best. So like you got to be on your game when you mess with Arnold. I mean, that's, that's straight up. I mean, Arnold had, he took a liking to me because I understand the golden era. Like, dude, I'm telling you, I feel like I was almost there. I studied it so much. I learned from, you know, the pamphlet series that Franco Colombo used to sell. Like my stepdad had the 1977 nutrition from Sardinia, the best chest back workouts of Franco Colombo. Like, dude, I, there was no internet, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> in 97, you know? So I learned from the stuff that those guys did on mail order. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's so crazy. The resources that I offer as a businessman, like would have made me, light years better at that point in time. So I understand the golden era extremely well and have a passion for that, that style of training. Arnold and I hit it off real quick. So anything that would have to do with content or his likeness or using old pumping iron footage or anything I would ask, he'd be all in because he knew I got, I got it. Um, and he knew that I kept myself at a high level of fitness. And that was really important to him. Business-wise, you know, he just expected nothing less than, you know, I mean, just killing the game. I mean, that's just what he does. And, you know, he would also test you. Hey, by the way, I want to launch the line. Like, I think it was like a Monday call. He's like, okay, I'll be in town. Let's launch the line on Thursday at Muscle Beach. You know, figure that out. I want a lot of people there. It'll be a lot of fun. I'll see you on Thursday. Now, there's regulations. There's paperwork. It's that you have to do like all this city ordinance stuff. I mean, but he just said, can you, you know, he just throw it out there. And it, obviously we got it all done. It was a crazy event. He would do stuff like that all the time though. He'd always test you. See you tomorrow. 
Um, you know, I don't even know where I'm at in the world. I'll see you tomorrow at seven o'clock. Um, we gotta go over something. Like he just, he's just a boss dude on every level. Everything that comes out of his mouth is just like gangster. I mean, it's just so funny. <laughs> so, so when you're working with someone like that, I mean, is it your preparation going into those meetings or is it just that you've spent years kind of developing just this, the style, the character that he likes? Yeah. Daily strategy, man. I just think like I've worked on myself that my confidence level, what I've pretty much realized, um, and I've talked about a lot recently is your entire being is off of your confidence basically. So like, whether, you know, the way that you walk out of your door every day and carry yourself, the way that you sell yourself, the way that you operate, um, the risks that you take, the risks that you don't take. Like, whatever Arnold would bring to me, I've developed myself to such a degree. Like, I wasn't scared. I was a little nervous the first time, but that's to be expected. That's my idol. Dude, I'm working with my idol. He's the, he's the guy that created the entire industry. He's why we're even talking right now. Like, so there's a little bit of that, but once I knew he knew. And, and I can't, the only way I can tell you that I, I knew that was in the meeting, first ever major meeting we had, I was on the cover of Fitness RX with my kids in an amazing cover photo that was totally done by accident. One of the other investors threw it to him in the meeting. And once he looked at it and there was a 10 page spread in old school gym in there, he saw my gym and he saw what I'm about. He never questioned in anything that had to do on the fitness side of me and him working together, writing the blueprint for bodybuilding.com, doing all these things. Like I just had a confidence. I think it's because I didn't pee on my leg. I think he respected it. He knew I wasn't scared to mess with him. I mean, I'm on camera with him. I'm interviewing him. I'm killing it. I'm not, my voice isn't quivering. Like just was, I was just ready, man. I've been, I've been waiting my whole life to work with my, with my idol. And so why, when I got there, would I struggle with it? You know? So I, I think differently, man, I'm, you know, growing up watching MJ, I mean, I watched a guy every Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon play basketball and just just want the ball. And, and I, I swear to you, I felt the same way, especially when I dealt with him, because I felt like I've been preparing myself for it my entire career. So why wouldn't I want to speak at the meeting? Why wouldn't I want him to look at me when it's the most important? Why wouldn't I want the chance to put the video together with the old footage and have him and write his voice over and have him approve it and work on the like, dude, like I just knew it. I think, and he knew it. <laughs> so anyway, I can explain it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I understand, but I feel like you have so many people that would just completely collapse under that pressure there. I mean, how do Everybody. you, yeah. How, how do you <laughs> for years though, build up to that point? I mean, I think it's the little things you're doing each day and each yeah. day you're just developing more and more of this. I mean, is that all it is? That's all it is, man. And, you know, I very rarely get nervous. It's even like when I messed with Tiger, I spent an eight hour day with Tiger. Amazing guy. I know he's had some problems recently, but had a great time with him. First thing he asked me was, I know you messed with Arnold. Like, how's he doing? That's what Tiger Woods asked me. <laughs> like, he asked me about Arnold. I mean, he's just a, he's such a boss to everybody, right? Because he's that generational person, there's no one ever going to be like him again. We never heard another person like Tiger Woods either. But it's like the same thing with me. People are like, dude, are you nervous about interviewing Tiger? I'm like, not really, because I didn't grow up wanting to be Tiger Woods. I grew up <laughs> wanting to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I think that, you know, John Fosco, my partner at Max Effort and, and a couple other businesses, uh, who's an amazing businessman, he said pressure's not real. And, and uh, let me explain it. So it's a great concept. He said that 
you know, the free throw that you're shooting in your backyard is the same free throw you're shooting in front of 100,000 people when the game's on the line. The only difference is you create the pressure. And I got to admit that I think that I think about things like that. Like I'd never really articulated that when he said it on one of our podcasts, Business and Biceps, it meant a lot to me because I think I just was like, I've been waiting my whole life for opportunities like this um, to create something that's not like, these are just people. See, that's the thing. They're just really good at stuff. That, that's the way I process it. So Arnold Schwarzenegger is a very, very just interesting person that saw no limitations, but he's still a guy. He's just a dude. I mean, he's just really, really good at movies and bodybuilding is very driven person. Tiger Woods is really good at golf. He's just like me and you. He's really good at that. Once I started processing stuff like that, it made me way less nervous um, I mean, I'd still be like uh, calculated on what I would say or what I would ask because when you make an ask to a person of those nature, you you have to be, you know, has to have a real good intention, meaningful, and and to ask for their time it has to be worth it. So you have to be calculated in how you operate with them. But when you're actually in the mix, they still want to talk about how their kids are doing and what's going on, and it's all the same. I mean, it's it's really no different. It's just people create crazy amounts of pressure and, and they collapse. And then what happens is, because I've had it happen with me even, and then you're like, well, this person ain't ready. I never wanted that to come out of their mouth. They, they knew I was ready. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash what got you there. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. I'm a huge fan of Audible and definitely recommend checking it out. If you're looking for a way to stay energized throughout the entire day, grab a bottle of Suniva Super Coffee. Suniva is something I drink on a daily basis. It's an organic bottled coffee blend with lactose-free protein and MCTs from coconut oil, which provides me with clean, all-day energy. Head to your local Whole Foods or use discount code WGYT at drinksupercoffee.com for 20% off your order. Suniva was founded by three college athletes who are brothers and wanted a cleaner way to stay energized throughout the entire day. If there was one athlete you could work with, who would it be? Um, I'll tell you what. I have a, um, I'm trying to think, athlete. The current or previous? Yeah, either or. Either or. Man, I, I really like... Um, Trying to think who, you know, look, I'm a huge LeBron fan. I've met LeBron a couple times. I live in Ohio. We've, we've ran into each other. He, when I say ran into each other, he definitely doesn't know me. Not that I'm aware of, <laughs> I'm not trying to act like he does because he doesn't. I, I don't think so. I know, I know some of his people, you know, cause I'm really good friends with Maurice Claret, um, which had an amazing, you know, uh, redemption story. And, and I helped Maurice a lot when he moved back to Ohio. And so you know, Maurice came up the same time in the same area as LeBron. So all the, all those guys know each other. So I think some of the, some of his crew know me from that and from MP, but LeBron, um, what I love about LeBron is one, he's the best, one of the best athletes ever, but he's really done a good job of, I would say living right. You know, LeBron's never really got in trouble. He's kept his nose clean. He's been on blast since he's been a kid, which is amazing. And so, uh, you know, I've met him a few times, I think he's awesome. I would love to know LeBron James. I, I think that would be cool. I think I probably will at some point. I'll just be straight. I think I think eventually I'll run into him enough times that we'll know each other. I, I always had kind of like a 
you know, um, an interest in, and in to know like his mentality and stuff of that nature. I worked with Bryce Harper, um, early days, like right out of the minors into his first couple of years. That dude's an interesting cat too. Great mindset, amazing baseball player, very throwback. I mean, something about Bryce Harper I loved was, you know, uh, he was in an interview and they asked him who his favorite baseball player was. And he didn't say anybody of the modern age. He was like Mickey Mantle because the way he played the game. Like when I hear stuff like that, because I, I like baseball. I think baseball is hard to watch on TV at this point because everything's so fast paced. But I like the throwback stuff. And LeBron's a grinder too. And that's that's what I enjoy about his work ethic is there. Even though he's been on a pedestal called the king his whole life, he's a grinder. Um, so those are the two athletes probably that stick out the most. I think former athlete that I've been around a few times, but I don't know well, Ray Lewis, more because of the mental side of stuff though. I, I love his I love his fire. I love how passionate he is. Um, you know, I, I used to sponsor Sean Merriman and him and Ray are friends. So I've, I've been around Ray in Vegas a couple of times and some other things, but he, he, uh, especially now, um, the impact he's had on people, his podcast, I think he'd be cool to, to be around. Yeah. No, Ray Lewis, for those who know me best, no, he's without a doubt, my all time favorite athlete. I'm not a Ravens fan or anything Eagles fan all the way, but Ray Lewis, what he brings in the mental side of things. And that's, I kind of wanted to ask that question because you've worked with some of the highest level athletes, business people, what really separates them from being one of the best of all time and just kind of being an all-star? Their, um, their work on their craft, man. I mean, it's, it's relentless, whether it was Arnold for acting, you know, making his, what some saw his accent to be, um, negative. He turned into a positive. He said, no, I'm going to use this because no one else got it. Mm. Um, you know, the way that I saw Tiger Woods, even though I know he was half hurt, the way he practiced the day I was with him, the schedule, because I asked him the same thing, you know, some of the schedules stuff that he went over, some of the businessmen I've ran into, like there's a, the craft is one of the keys. And I think that's why I tried to elevate even mine another level, what I expect out of myself. I expect to stay leaner all year round. I expect to be at an elite level um, strength wise. Um, I expect to find a way to make it everything easier on my community, like simplify things, keep them in better shape, help change some lives. Like I think that there's a level as a practitioner, um, in each one of these main people I've been around that they are obsessed. I mean, you, you literally have to be like, just like my, my, my guy, CT Fletcher, like I, I love CT and it, and as raw as he is, it's, it's all true. And I am running that borderline constantly because I literally, it's my hobby, it's my job, it's my passion, it's what I think about all the time. And this is the only thing I could ever, like when I was a kid, I didn't want to do anything else. I wanted to lift weights and get paid. I, I talked to my high school commencement this year. They asked me to come back. It's been 20 years. I was a terrible student, 2.1. You know, I mean, lightweight kind of thugged out in high school, like stuck out like a sore thumb. Like not a lot of people liked me or my little clique. I was very, I mean, I had to move to the city. I, I really was kind of an outcast and, you know, standing up there saying like, look, when I was sitting where you guys were, the only thing I like to do is lift weights. And there wasn't one person in our community that did that. There wasn't one that even the guy that owned the gym had another job. So like I had to like make up my mind to say that I was going to be the guy, that I was going to be the one that created it, that showed it, and and not only just for me, but for where I'm from, and for my family to create a different generational kind of thing, create a wealth, create um, 
you know, a way to teach fi- a different financial IQ and just the mindset of just that it's possible. Like my kids, no doubt, I don't really care what they do, but I want them to give whatever their true passion is a shot. And there's no way by the way they watch me operate, they don't believe that would be at least partially true because they see dad do it every day, every day. Is that how you're, you're mainly teaching them? You're, you're not specifically showing them certain lessons or things, but you're acting in a certain way and they're just kind of following your lead? I will, you know, actually it's funny because when we had the little break there for a second, my, my son, he's, he's 12, he's got 19,000 followers between Funimate and Musical.ly for <laughs> videos that he makes. It has nothing to do with me, Sean. He also has a YouTube channel where he does trick shots and he's just kind of building that, but he taught himself how to use Final Cut Pro, which is a pretty good cut, uh, pretty good program. And he's 12, you know, and he's like, we just had this talk last night. I was like, look, man, you like, it's not even an accident because he's good, but he's not real consistent. I said, dude, by the time you're 16, like you, you, I know I'm your dad, but I believe I'm a little bit more in tune than most dads just because of what I do for a living. Cause I'm, I'm hip to social media. I understand the YouTube, like I'm, I'm in it. Right. And so I was like, dude, it's not like I have a whole different job. Like you see, I'm at home all day. You see how I make money. So like if if I tell you if the consistency steps up, your 19,000 fans are going to end up being 100,000 fans. And then I also know how to monetize it because that's also what I do. So I was like, no matter the dad-son thing, you're only 12, if we just get a little bit more consistent. Like the reason why I think the the bandwidth was going down is because he's trying to upload a video to his YouTube channel right now. <laughs> like, I swear to you. It's going to be like – so I'm like, dude, you need to cut off the Wi-Fi. And he's like a little bit upset at me because he's like, I had all the tags in. I was just starting like, because he'd been chopping up a video all morning. Oh, that's too funny. <laughs> it's a, yeah, you know, and so what I love about it is, is because it's not because I put him on. He's doing his own thing. Now, I can help him with strategies. I can help him with content. I can help him with things that, but he's got those 19,000 people because of him. It has nothing to do with me. I'm not on those platforms. It's, um... It's actually really cool to see. And I think that him even partially being able to grasp that that could be, you know, potentially his income at 16, that his other friends are going to get jobs like as dishwashers and, you know, doing things like that. But but we could monetize potentially an online business for him, you know, sooner than later. It's interesting to think about, man. Yeah, it's no, different. that really is. And I mean, me and my wife, we don't have kids yet. We obviously, at some point down the road, we want to. So this is one of the things I'm most intrigued about is how do you raise kids that are self-motivated and self-entrepreneurs and are able to do these things? So it's kind of interesting hearing your take on that. Well, and I think the self-motivated part's different um, because you know it's all personality-driven too and that our life is so different than my life was. My dogs are barking, sorry. So it's like one of those things where my life was hard, man. I mean- a month rent trailer. Like we live in a pretty nice place. We got a pool. Like, you know, I've, I've worked very hard to earn these things. So my kid's life is nothing like my life. So that's where the balance comes. And that's what I'm, I'm scared about it. I mean, I think that I don't want to screw it up. So I try to keep it as real down the, down to earth. But I understand that no matter how good I am at that, that the reality is still the reality. Like He's growing up literally completely different than me. But my dad really wasn't around, and my mom did a really good job, but she always worked. So the fact that I'm a little dialed in, 
um, dialed in really to, I think, believe what's current from a standpoint of what, what is meaningful to him too, what he's into, you know, I'm trying to do my best job. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty cut and dry type of dad. Like, you, you know, you either get it or you don't get it and there's consequences and we run hills, we do whatever I think we need to do. I mean, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's it like now? You've got Max Effort, Effort Muscle, Corey G Fitness. You're, you're launching these new businesses while also being a dad. You're still working on your physique. How do you balance all this? It's that morning stuff. If I didn't have, if I slept, people ask me this all the time. If I slept eight hours, wouldn't happen. I sleep five, it can happen because I need that other three hours to work and work on myself. And I believe that People are like, well, can you recover? Can you do this? I'm like, well, in the last three years, I've pretty much reached every goal that I set out. Um, and now I'm making new ones. I've peaked, you know, had almost kind of a peak of from a physique standpoint, from a strength standpoint. Um, I'm putting in more volume than I ever have. Can I recover? Yeah. And I'll tell you why. Because I think that's the only, if I have to look at my diet, my hydration, my supplementation, my training, like the sleep is the only one I believe somebody can say, Hey, you're fucking that part up. But if I eat perfect 99% of the time, if I never miss workouts, if I never miss my supplements and I miss some sleep, like, am I cheating the system a little bit? I, I believe I am because I'll tell you what, when I go to sleep, I'm asleep. I'm, I believe I'm in REM sleep almost instantly. Like I, when I, when it's time to go to bed, you can't wake me up for five hours. I'm getting mine, and I'm, I do my carbs before bed, so I'm raising, you know, raising the hormones, helping them along. Like my recovery is sneaky good, and so I've conditioned myself um, to, you know, kind of biohack the system a little bit, and I, I believe it works. Now I'm not Mr. Olympia. I'm not breaking world records. I'm not at the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm a fitness dude. That's not even really that elite from a, a physique standpoint. I mean, I'm better than average, but I don't believe I'm, you know, could walk on the Olympia stage tomorrow and do physique neither. So it's one of those things like I'm getting the best possible amount of what I can out of myself. I believe that, that I draw out from a training intensity, from the way I look, from the way I eat. Like I believe I'm getting the best me out to the market. I'm trying my hardest and, but I'm trying to balance it all and I believe I have an eerily good, crazy um, kind of thing going on right now, but it works for me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you mentioned you couldn't walk on the stage of Olympia, but like, let's be real here. You've got multiple kids, multiple businesses. We had to change this call because two weeks ago you were doing a, a men's, I think it was a men's health. <laughs> men's health. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Let, let's be serious here. I mean, you're in the yeah. 1%. Um, basically, of all those different things, I mean, it's pretty impressive. You mentioned kind of you're doing your carbs at night. Can you hit more on your diet and your supplementation right now? Can I get, uh, yeah, so I'll be pretty brief on it. Cause that's one of my main things that I teach on my website. And basically what I, what I've done, Sean, is I'm a student of, you know, Mario De Pasquale, who wrote the book, the anabolic diet. Um, he wrote it in, um, shit, I think in the eighties, he's a guy I learned from, I, I forgot to mention him kind of in my mentor's profile, but I learned from Dr. Eric Serrano and Dr. Mario De Pasquale, who are genius in, amino acid loading, high fat dieting and that type of nature. And, and here, here's straight, straight up how it happened. I, um, initially did the carb rotation diets, very bodybuilder, six meals a day, you know, two and a half days, low carb. The third day I'd eat carbs. I can never really get that tight, man. Like my early in my career, like I looked good, but 
you know, that's before the covers. I, I just, I really was very insulin sensitive. Like I just could never get tight, man. And so I read Mario's book and his concept was cool. It was like, if I would diet for a show, you know, 12 weeks, eat low carbs, you know, you, everybody goes out that night, eats pizza, whatever. Well, dude, I would, I would look like a freak the next day, mm -hmm. <laughs> way better than I would look on stage. I'd be veiny, full, nasty, feel like I could like run through a wall because all my hormones were spiked. And they kind of taught, both the doctors taught me that when you spike insulin properly, that growth hormone and tests kind of come with it naturally. And so Dr. Pasquale's idea was, well, what if I do that every week? Now his diet was very kind of Atkins-ish and that's why I changed to my version. He was like 30 carbs, you know, very, like he still ate, had diet sodas. Like there was a lot of stuff I didn't like about it, but you know, you'd go Monday through Friday, like 30 carbs, super low, and then pound food from 12 to 24 hours to create that hormone natural kind of spike weekly. So I did that for a little while and you know, that, that definitely got me in shape, but I still, there's something missing for me. Well, dude, 10 years, I mean, I shot covers, I did stuff, but I, I could never get it together all the way. Meaning like I couldn't be strong and lean at the same time. I'd look awesome, but I'd be barely walking into the photo shoots. I just, I've been looking for it, man, literally. So then these you know, intermittent fasting got real popular. People were asking me questions about it all the time. I thought it was stupid. I'm the first one to tell you. I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> Can't eat like so many, and it's you know super popular right now. So I just tried it one time. Well, by default, I just ate what I normally eat. And I just kept trying it. Yeah, messing with it, messing with the timing. And then, you know, a huge um, basically just snack at my household is bananas and peanut butter. Well, my kids love it. Started eating that before bed. And that was the only time I was taking any sugar. Um, I was eating normal vegetables and stuff during the day. And, dude, I just kept getting leaner. But I still felt strong. My energy was good. And then I think on a Friday night – I ate like a whole bag of jalapeno potato chips and I drank beer. I got up the next day and I looked the same. And then that next day I did the same thing. Um, I ate ice cream, I had tacos. I think I got up Sunday and I was like up a pound. I looked pretty much the same Monday. So basically I started figuring this out just by, just by fucking with it. And all of a sudden it kind of hit me. I was like, I'm like sneaky in really good shape right now. And all <laughs> my numbers are, are numbers are awesome. And then I got ready for something and I, di I dialed the, the protocol down even more. And dude, from squatting daily, from doing golden air volume, which is get stacked, from using the anabolic fasting, I was 14 pounds different at a photo shoot for a cover. 14 pounds. Like you can't even get that out of a bottle, bro. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I've never taken drugs, but I'm guessing if anybody could be 14 pounds different and the cover still hits newsstands, they're pretty happy about that. And I squatted 405 at the meet or at the, at the shoot on camera. So like that, then, uh, you know, I wound it tighter, wound it tighter. I was getting ready to leave muscle farm and I was like, you know what? I wanted to launch a membership website and I was like, I need to teach this. So I named it anabolic fasting. It's a fasting protocol mixed with the anabolic diet, but a lot of changes that are very unique to me. Um, the way that you cheat, the way that you eat your carbs, and it's not low to no carbs. The car, you know, we don't count anything. We have guidelines. You eat till you're full. I have a, a very um, kind of basic approach of when you fast, your your stomach shrinks. So then, when I fill it up within the guidelines, when I tell you to eat, you really, dude, it cures. The, the funny thing is, I used to be crave so much stuff 
on the old diet plans. The reason why I can stay on this as a lifestyle, it's not just a diet, it's a lifestyle. I don't crave anything. I, I The fasting, the way that we eat, the quality of food cures it pretty much all, man. I drink beer every Saturday. I usually eat tacos and ice cream every Friday. I mean, I'm walking around. I got to be sub 10%. I don't ever get my body fat tested, but I can see all my abs and I'm still pretty damn striated. So shit's good, bro. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, you're clearly below 10%. That's, that's obvious yeah. to see in the videos you're posting right there. Uh, I mean, so you mentioned also kind of the goals and where you're at in your life. What, what's next for you? What are you trying to do? So what I'm, what I'm about to do is, so men's health gave me an opportunity to shoot some stuff online for them and for their Instagram. And that I did a, a it's called dad bod redefined. It was a dumbbell workout, body weight, very. Do you, you ever know, think you'd be doing a dad bod redefined? Yeah. You know, it's because I don't like the term. I came up with the title because I think it's ridiculous because there's a lot of dads I know that are in good shape. And I came up with the redefined part. Cause I'm like, look, I give you a workout that you can do in your house. You have zero, like um, excuses now. And let's not like buy into that, you know? So yep, love that. Approach. So I was kind of passionate. I was kind of passionate about it, to be honest. Um, probably surprisingly. Um, and I, I always say this with any big goal I have, like men's health to me is the pinnacle to be on the cover of men's health. Well, when I'm on the cover of men's health, let me restructure that. It'll be the pinnacle for me. I always say like, I just need an opportunity I went there, had six hours set aside for video. I did it in one. I did extra credit stuff, as I called it, because I had so much time extra with the video team. I believe I killed it. Um, it got up to the the chief, you know, main dude. He's been emailing me. They don't maybe know that I'm going to be on the cover yet, but I know I'll be on the cover. It's just a matter of when, and I'm just going to keep showing value there. So being on the cover of Men's Health is one of my main goals. Um, it has been my entire career but really like immediate goals. Like I would love to do in the next calendar year. That's my plan to offer as much value as I can to make that happen. Um, September 2nd, I have um, kind of based off the muscle trifecta that I did last year where I did Olympic lifting Friday, bodybuilding Saturday, powerlifting Sunday. There's a small organization that just started in Ohio. They're hosting. Um, it's a body, but it's a classic physique show on Saturday and powerlifting on Sunday. So I'm, I'm going to do that, which I think is very, very interesting and, and exciting um, on September 2nd, I've also been in talks with natural muscle magazine and inside fitness magazine about shooting for them. So my whole thing is no fall off, stay ready. And, you know, I want to be able to send the email back that says, yeah, I can be there next week. And I think, um, if I can do, yeah, I can be there next week and also be competitive, um, from a drug free level in my weight class at 181 to powerlifting that that's my main, that's my main thing, man. So no, that's awesome. Yeah, the muscle trifecta was just unbelievable what you were able to accomplish there. I love it. Fun. Yeah, no, I mean <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. How do you how do you even get the idea to attempt something like that? I mean, it's something that no one's done before. Yeah, so I pride myself on being different and and it's so hard because the space is so saturated, Sean, that to do something no one's done before. And so I thought to myself, C.T. Fletcher posted a thing a really long time ago. That there was a there was a show one time in California, where I think it was the same day, so he wasn't like super tight on stage because you had to keep that balance. But it was bodybuilding in the morning and powerlifting in the evening, and then um, I was like, hmm, I was like, man, I would really like to do that. And it kind of all this stuff is kind of going along my goals with anabolic fasting, with my training to be able to do a little bit of both because I'm not really great at either, but together. Uh, I started looking at like, well, you know, but together I could be pretty cool because I think it would separate me. 
And then I started doing a little Olympic lifting because I would go to a CrossFit gym every now and again. I have a friend that owns one, a couple friends that own them. And I'm intrigued by that maybe as a 40 plus male competitor one day, but we'll see. I'm not all in, but I, I don't, I don't hate it either. And so I started doing some snatch and clean and jerk and, you know, I cleaned 300 pounds and snatched like 200 and, you know, some decent weights. And basically, um, there's a small drug-free organization that's having a show on Saturday. Bodybuilding show is already planned. I mean, they usually have 60 competitors, pretty big event um, locally. I talked to the CrossFit box and said, hey, would you, would you hold a um, Friday night throwdown um, Olympic lifting meet for all your members? And, and so I could, you know, I could enter it. And then on Sunday, when we normally have them on Saturday, I was like, I think we should host a powerlifting meet um, at the gym, at my gym. And, you know, I went and got the West Side judges and did everything the right way. And there it was. It, it became, and then I started telling people about it, like, hey, I'm going to attempt this. And you should watch it. You should follow my Snapchat. You should do it. And I captured the whole thing. And I was getting up on fire, dude, because of a couple of reasons. That was something that moved the needle for me. It's been a while since I got out of bed like, I'm jumping out of bed at 3 a.m. I can't wait to train because I know the challenge is there to look good, land a snatch in front of a crowd of people because I'd never even done that before. Because I mean, I was not Olympic. I'm, I mean, Olympic lifting was completely obscure, like, you know, new to me. <laughs> so, yeah, man, the challenge was like, I was the most nervous for the Olympic lifting. I was the most surprised on how I looked the next day in bodybuilding. Like, my legs were a little soft because I lifted the night before. But dude, I won my weight class and I got second overall. So, I mean, I did really good. But because I was on stage so much, I was so tired when I woke up. Like I was surprised uh, for the, the the bodybuilding. But I was, you know, I was the most excited to powerlift. When I woke up, man, I was beat. And it took a little while for my nervous system to come around. And, you know, I squatted 500 weighing 178. So, I mean, it was. I think that CNS came around. <laughs> yeah, I squatted and deadlift to 500 and I benched 320 that day. You know, I bloated up that night and everything, but I really didn't have that much time because I didn't get off stage till like 8.39 p.m. And I had to be, uh, I think I started squatting in the meet at like 9 a.m. the next day. Jeez, yeah, that's a short recovery time for sure to get those in. I mean- Yeah, I'm pretty sure I wasn't recovered. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. <laughs> it was all, Sean, it was all mental. I mean, I barely squatted. Like, I remember one of my buddies said, gee, I was in the warm-up room with you and you looked like you were struggling with 225 on squat when I was warming up and I was. And I got to the platform- Said, wrap my fucking knees tight and let's go. Went 405, 440, originally called 480, sat there, heard a couple rap songs, said, fuck this, put 500 on. I went up to this, I went up to the table. I said, give me 500. I'm, I'm willing to go to the hospital. Uh, that's basically what, in my head, that's what I said to myself. There's no fucking way that when you're on every podcast for the rest of your life, you're going to tell people you squatted 480, not 500. <laughs> I swear to you, that's no. what I thought. I and mean, if you watch that video, you can see it in my eyes. I was willing to break in half uh, if, if I wasn't going to get that. I used every ounce of everything I had. It's so funny you mentioned that video. I mean, you can clearly see when you get that mindset and that focus in that gym. You are two completely different people, and it's apparent to anyone watching those videos. <laughs> For sure. No, I am. I, I'm, I have a crazy side to me that I can tap into, and it's partially being an underdog. It's partially you know, trying to do things that other people haven't done and I'm just wired that like, you know, at Muscle Farm, we had a 35,000 square foot top of the line facility that people used to foam at. I didn't even like it. It's not me. Like I already owned, like that was my partner's thing. Like I already owned my dream gym and you're seeing it on Instagram. It's old school motherfucking gym. Like that's me. And when people start to understand that, 
I think they have a different level of like respect for what I do. And what you saw in that video was mentally me saying that like, this is so meaningful to me. Like when I, un- the funny thing is when I unracked that bar, I hadn't taken anything over 405 in probably six months because my SI had collapsed at my last meet. Like I was locked down on a 600 pound deadlift. I was a train wreck in my training. I was getting through it, but I was struggling with it. That was pure will. And then when I unracked it, I was so out of practice. It's a monolift. Well, dude, it almost fell off my back. So I had to, I had to take two steps back. And when I raised my head, everybody in the whole fucking crowd let their cell phone out. I had no choice. Like I just took a deep breath and said, it's on. And I looked at it like, like life or death, which sounds funny, but that's, that's really the mentality that I take. And so a lot of people don't maybe understand that about me. Um, because I'm a fitness model too. Right. So that's like the, the pretty boy side, but that's not really like, I'm really a power lifter. Like that's what I love to do. That's what I enjoy. I like the challenge of it's you versus the bar and a crowd of people. And you know, are you going to punk out or not? And I can't, I can't get enough of it. I mean, we're really getting down into who Corey G truly is. It's so funny. I've got Ohio just circled here on my notes and I wanted to ask about that. And you kind of mentioned that that 35,000 square foot uh, facility isn't you. So why have you stayed in Ohio this entire time? Yeah, because I found, uh, I'm, you know, I'm pretty in tune with stuff, man. And, uh, just because I've developed and listened to so many very forward thinking people. When I walked in the town I live in, it's called Granville, Ohio, very Mayberry ish, very unique things that happen here. So close knit. Um, just doesn't happen a lot of places. Like I'm very fortunate that I found this town that's very nice outside of Columbus in the country. You know, I live on acreage. Like it, I knew I was supposed to be here. And my and, and my family's like two hours away. My grandparents are in their 90s. They were very influential in my life. Like I had zero interest in. I've been to to New York to model. I've been to Cali multiple times. I never wanted to live any places like that. Like my aspiration is not to be a movie star. It, my aspiration was to create a life for my family, create a name for myself in my industry, and lift weights. Like I want to lift weights and get paid straight up. When I'm 17, I want to lift weights, get paid. 30, about to be 39, I want to lift weights, get paid. It's meant something different over that 20 year period, but it's all the same, man. Man, I love that. I mean, you kind of mentioned some thought leaders. Who are you learning from today? I'm a huge Napoleon Hill fan, like yeah. anybody else. I think um, constantly. My favorite book is The Wisdom of Andrew Carnegie, told by Napoleon Hill. I, I give them away all the time. Like I bought a bunch of them. I just give them to anybody who comes to my house. It's his like 17 or 19 principles of success, very relevant still today. Obviously, think and grow rich. Um, Lewis Howes, who's from Columbus originally, you know, I was on his podcast, a friend of mine. Um, I pay attention to Lewis because he has a lot of cool people on there. Um, I'm a real throwback, man. I mean, a lot, a lot about me um, is very kind of retro. Um, I don't know why, but I've always been like, I mean, I just bought a Willie Mays and a Sandy Koufax baseball card the other day. Like I, hmm. I just have an affection towards like older type stuff. I've always been like that, whether it's the gym, whether it's, um, you know, the way I dress sometimes, uh, it just, I don't know. So for me, it's all retro stuff. It's Carnegie, it's, it's Rockefeller. It's, you know, those guys were tycoons, but I, it's all about the way that they operated and did stuff. And, same with the golden era. Like I, I have a ton of books from that time frame, a ton of magazines I've collected from that time frame. I read old articles that guys writ, wrote in Muscle Builder from 77. Like 
I'm a student of the game, but the older game. You know, I respect all the new stuff too, but a lot of it just is hard work, um, understanding your body. And, you know, like I said, I've come up with some stuff I think that's benefited a lot of people, but it's really from trial and error mostly. No, you can learn a lot from those classics for sure. So yeah. what are you most passionate about in your life right now? Man, yeah, I've got a, and I don't know if I create it or it's the truth. Either way it works. But I've always uh, am underestimate. Uh, like think people underestimate me a lot. I think, I don't know if it's the muscles. I don't know if it's the background. So I'm always operating as, uh, the underdog slash maybe people don't believe in it. You know, a lot of that comes, maybe it's an insecurity, maybe it's not. It's worked for me. Um, I think that I've been in a lot of boardrooms where people discount what my what I know or what I say because of my appearance, which is kind of funny. But if you sit around a bunch of really rich guys um, in boardrooms and talk about money, and then it's like, oh, well, the guy with abs, he's just tweeting. Or, the guy, you know, there's a lot of discount on what, um, I meant to certain businesses in the past and I understand the value because I obviously I'm in it, uh, to such a degree. And so for me, I enjoy proving people wrong, but not because I can go, I told you so like it just, it helps drive me. I use it as a positive and like success is the ultimate revenge of anything. So like if I'm killing it and you're seeing it, like I'm just going to keep killing it. And then I know you know. I just know you know because how could you not? <laughs> like <laughs> if I hit the, if I hit the numbers and I'm ripped abs, I just know you know whether you admit it or not. It is what it is. So for me, whatever those goals may be, whatever those people that have cast, you know, you know, I don't know if you know how to do this or that. You know, I use those things, man. It's just like any other athlete that the opposition was talking shit. You put it, they put it on the board. So mine isn't opposing companies or people because it's more about like the thought of things that I've went through in the past and how people perceived or viewed me and whether they still view me that way or not. But I, I can use those things for, for motivation. So I'm the most passionate about showing that Corey Gregory is not just a do with abs, that I'm obviously um, a businessman that can run not just a top line business, but a bottom line business too that I'm creative in my marketing packaging, um, creative in the, the way that I build things online and, and also just, you know, passionate about creating a real legacy that I'm one of the names that come up one day and I don't expect it to be tomorrow and I don't need it to be tomorrow. Like I'll probably do content. I mean, I look at Louis Simmons, I look at Arnold, they're doing content. They're like 70. So is Mario DiBasquale. Like this, there's no real like, I'm not stopping tomorrow no matter how much money I make. I could have stopped a long time ago. It's 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 because I'm so passionate and I like it. I can, I'll be the old guy walking in at 75, drinking a cup of coffee, still coaching. It's just, I just think it's inside of me. So I'm very passionate about the the body of work, which is going to be my career and what it, what it means. I, I just want to be one of the guys that's in the conversation. And I think that if I keep pushing to this level and keep teaching and keep showing the results as a practitioner and the guys that I'm coaching now, I, I believe I can get there. And I, I want to be known as one of the guys that did it both and did it well and build a retail business, build a direct-to-customer business, was on 20 magazines, the, the best of the best, was a good lifter. Like I, I just have a, I have a lot of 
things I expect and a lot of aspirations for what my career will mean when I'm done. Oh, I absolutely love it. That'll get the listeners fired up for sure. So where can my listeners stay connected with you? Yeah, man, everything's at CoreyGFitness.com, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, at CoreyGFitness. There's no E in my name. So just C-O-R-Y-G Fitness. Reach out to me. You know, I'm, I'm easy to get a hold of actually. Awesome. Corey, man, this has been a blast. We will definitely get all of that linked up on the show notes, but thanks again for joining us on What Got You There. I appreciate it, Sean. Thanks. What got you there with Sean Delaney? Uh, what got you there with Sean Delaney? What got you there with Sean Delaney? Uh, what got you there with got you, got you? Thanks for listening to another episode of What Got You There. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and also share with your friends. Thanks so much. Looking forward to talking with you next time. If you want to stay up to date on all things I'm working on behind the scenes and everything we've got going on at What Got You There, head over to whatgotyouthere.com. You'll also be able to see more on podcast guests and what they're doing. Thanks to Justin Great for providing us the intro and outro song. If you like his music and want to find out more about what he's working on, head over to justingreat.com.